Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. The book that we'll be talking about this episode is Heir to the Jedi by Kevin Hearn. I'm going to go with Hearn. Yeah, you go with Hearn. <laughs> I'm not going to go with Hearn, but I'm going <laughs> to... Uh, oh, boy. Uh, here's the bio, that the actual bio that we actually pulled actually from Amazon. Kevin Hearn is a middle-aged nerd who still enjoys his comic books and old-school heavy metal. He cooks tasty omelets, hugs trees, and paints miniature army dudes. He lives with his wife, daughter, and doggies in a wee cottage. Amazon. Listeners, um, well, may have noticed, maybe, that this is a Star Wars book, Heir to the Jedi, right? (laughs) And they may be asking themselves... What in God's name possessed these guys to review a Star Wars book? (laughs) We are asking ourselves the exact same thing. Uh, The wheel of beat, right? So we decided that roughly once a month, you know, or or when we have a little downtime in between, you know, stuff we've got slated to review, we would randomly pick a book from the New York Times bestseller list. So by randomly, there's a program that we use. So it's not like us just looking and kind of going, oh, what about number six? This is what came up. This book uh, takes place in between Star Wars and, and The Empire Strikes Back. And here is a very lengthy synopsis. Um, a, if this was a radio show, I'd be concerned people tuned in to like story hour while I was reading this. So. Luke Skywalker's game-changing destruction of the Death Star has made him not only a hero of the Rebel Alliance, but a valuable asset in the ongoing battle against the Empire. Though he's a long way from mastering the power of the Force, there's no denying his phenomenal skills as a pilot, and in the eyes of Rebel leaders Princess Leia Organa and Admiral Akbar, there's no one better qualified to carry out a daring rescue mission crucial to the Alliance cause. A brilliant alien cryptographer renowned for her ability to breach even the most advanced communication systems is being detained by Imperial agents determined to exploit her exceptional talents for the Empire's purposes. But the prospective spy's sympathies lie with the rebels, and she's willing to join their effort in exchange for being reunited with her family. It's an opportunity to gain a critical edge against the Empire that's too precious to pass up. It's also a job that demands the element of surprise. So Luke and the ever-resourceful droid R2-D2 swap their trusty X-Wing fighter for a sleek space yacht piloted by the brash recruit Nakari Kellen, daughter of a biotech mogul who's got a score of her own to settle with the Empire. Challenged by ruthless Imperial bodyguards, death-dealing enemy battleships, merciless bounty hunters, and monstrous brain-eating parasites... Luke plunges head-on into a high-stakes espionage operation that will push his abilities as a rebel fighter and would-be Jedi to the limit. If he ever needed the wisdom of Obi-Wan Kenobi to shepherd him through danger, it's now. But Luke will have to rely on himself, his friends, and his own burgeoning relationship with the Force to survive. Fucking hell, man. (laughs) (sighs) That was a big synopsis. That was a big and entirely accurate synopsis. Um, here's the thing about the book. Before we get into what happened, um, if you read that synopsis and were like, you oh, know, this doesn't sound so great, <laughs> you would be 100% right. 
you really don't have much reason to go farther than that. It's um, um, I I, I texted Livius not too long into reading the book. Uh, I don't remember exact words, but I said something to the effect of, um, "There's no story here. It's just a bunch of stuff that happens," and um, it pretty much continued to be that way the the for the duration of uh, the book and it is in my mind so like lacking such like memorable elements that I honestly don't really remember what happened at the, <laughs> at the beginning of the book. I read this in the last few days. Did, did, um, did you actually, you read the book, right? Yeah. I read the whole book. This isn't, okay. <laughs> my first memory is there. They get to that fucking moon or whatever. Um, with the thing that's like killing everybody. All right, I'll get I'll get us a little started. So yeah, we're introduced to um, <laughs> reintroduced to Luke um, shortly after I don't know about shortly months I guess after the events of Star Wars where he destroyed the Death Star. Two years, two years, which is months. months. It's just a lot it's of months. 20, Twenty-four of them, I guess. Yeah. Well, space months. Is that nothing? I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. <laughs> All right. Um, he's, uh, scouring or, or he's, uh, scouting, I guess I probably should is a better term for, um, weapons for the empire. And he's on the, he's made contact. He's on this planet and he's kind of hooking up with these people that, uh, that make weapons. I don't even know what the point of that was, except for them to have somewhere later to like come back to, I guess that was really the only point of that. Right. Um, I honestly don't recall that at all. Like okay. he, I'm sure. <laughs> Luke um, Luke saves a spaceship on his way, which of course becomes instrumental later. Oh right, that happened. Yeah, and then uh, and then he comes back and is really kind of given his his main mission, which is to rescue um, a Drussel, who is a uh, an alien alien species. Um, she's being basically held by the Empire, nicely held. Like she gets to like do stuff, but she's definitely a prisoner. Who and she is the the Star Wars version of a hacker called a slicer. Yeah, they slice. Yep, they slice through code instead of hacking through it, which does sound a little bit more finessey than hacking. It does sound like there's a little more skill involved. Yeah, or uh, than hacking or cracking, because I've heard people say cracking. Sometimes. Yes, this is true. So, um, Luke then, um, falls for Nakari, uh, Kellen, who is also a human, um, like him so that they don't have any kind of weird inter interspecies love affair, <laughs> um, who he, he kind of has a crush on and basically finds a reason to have her go on this very dangerous mission with him, you know, cause he thinks she's cute. So he risks her life Yeah, of course. to go rescue, uh, Dressel from the empire who they're going to take to another planet where her family is being, um, not held, but where, where the, uh, Alliance took her, her family. Yeah. That's a, that in broad strokes, that's a lot of it right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I guess along the way, the, the familiar faces that we have are Luke Skywalker, who, um, I put in my note in the notes because <laughs> this is between the two, the first two movies that were uh, fuck the chronology of it. These are the this is between the two first two movies that you know, we you know as people were introduced to. Um, so, but he doesn't know much about the Force, and he's starting to, <laughs> he's starting to want to like 
explore it more, but since Obi-Wan died uh, in the first movie, he doesn't really have anybody to talk to about it. And so... And, and I guess the idea is, if I'm just remembering correctly from my fucking vague knowledge of Star Wars, is that um, all the Jedis are basically dead. Like, as far as he's aware, there's, like, no Jedis out there. So he knows the Force exists, but he doesn't know how to learn it. So he's, like, tinkering on his own. And this is one of the fucking dumbest, <laughs> kind of most charming parts of the book is he tries to do stuff with the Force <laughs> just based on the little bit he learned. And, um... So in my notes, I marked down that he was a Jedi of the noodle level because there's, like, three different parts in the book where he's trying to use the Force to, like, manipulate things, and there's, like, a noodle. on like They eat lots of noodles in this book um, on the table, and he moves it with the Force, and he's, like, really excited that he got to move this noodle. So uh, we get Luke Skywalker, R2-D2. And there's mention of other characters, but really the only other one that actually existed somewhere in the in the movies, at least. Uh, because I'm going to be right up front. I've never read a Star Wars book before today. I'm assuming okay. that's the same with you, right, Livius? Um, I have actually read um, two or three. We could talk about that later. Wow. Uh, Admiral Akbar, who was that squid-looking dude, right? Um, yes. Uh, Princess Leia makes a very brief appearance, too. Okay. And when I say brief... Like it, it's twice, but I think for like a paragraph each time. But Admiral Akbar is the it's a trap guy. It, Admiral Ak, <laughs> you do your internet memes. It's dude. a trap. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's it. Which which is fine because um, it's the first book from what I've read that um, not from not from the books I've read from what I read in general <laughs> about this. It's the it's the first book that um, is told from from Luke's you know, kind of first person perspective. And it's kind of good that they didn't heap on a bunch of, you know, a, a bunch of characters. Now, that being said, here's the danger of writing in a world that already exists. Although there are mentions of Han and Chewie and C-3PO and, and, you know, maybe some other, you know, more peripheral characters. Oh, they talk about whatever, what's his friend's name? The one that was killed in the first one. Who's friend? They were attacking the Death Star. Luke's friend. Oh, whatever the the uh, X-wing pilot, yeah. Pilots, yeah, they mention him quite a bit, and 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 Obi Wan and Darth Vader. But the danger is that you're going to feel, I would think, as a writer, you may fall into the trap that you need to mention every other word that was used in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. So if there was even mention of like a type of creature, or you know, like a type of speeder, or you know, like those bikes they used in Return of the Jedi get brought up frequently. Yep. It's it's all over this book, you know. So the, the universe is a much smaller place than you think by reading this book. <laughs> you know the most fucking grievous offense of the of the of the of the name dropping, I guess you would call it. What's that? Um, when he has to order, there's a he uh, more noodles. Uh, when he is originally rendezvousing with uh, someone who's going to set him up with something. He has to go to a noodle shop on this planet and order a specific dish, and that's how they know he's with like the rebels and what he needs. And uh, the noodle dish—I can't remember what it was called—but it was with rancor sauce. Yep. And I was like, "You got to be fucking kidding me!" Yeah, that's that's. But yeah, there was a lot of that, a lot of that in this book. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> uh. Yeah, I, I don't know what else to really say about it. Um, 
I have some quotes that might be able to to touch on some of the things and some of the. And I don't know, you know, I was going to say poor writing, but I don't know that it's poor writing. Because when I think back to to Luke, especially in that in that Star Wars movie, he was a big fucking dork. So maybe some of the scenes that are written really awkwardly are just, just true to character. Character is, yeah. <laughs> but um, some of it's brutal. I would say that, as you may expect, uh, and Livius mentioned it a little bit, I think, in the synopsis, there's some run-ins with the Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're with the Rebels, and I think, uh, you know, and obviously the Rebels are kind of a priority to eliminate and everything like that, and they know Luke Skywalker. Do they know Luke Skywalker was what destroyed the Death Star? Either way, they know the Rebels did it. Mm-hmm. So... Um, there are, you know, uh, star destroyers and all these other types of things, and and there's a lot of uh, um, empire presence in the book. No, I didn't see any stormtroopers. Did you see any stormtroopers? Zero stormtroopers in this book. It's kind of lame. Um, but there were some bounty hunters that were that were um, looking for them and stuff like that. So you get you get a taste of the flavor of of Star Wars in general, but it's all like mentioned like alluded to like and and think about this i was just thinking about this right now the way this book what happens in this book you could very easily at the end of the book he could have written out uh none of this happened this guy's a regular human who lives in a mental institution and you'd be like oh all right yeah that makes sense like you know there's no everything is just kind of mentioned nothing has like any kind of direct action like in the star wars universe you know what i'm saying Oh, no, I do. And that's that's one of the other problems with, um, I think, with this type of story. So it's not a literary miracle, right? And read it and go, oh, my God, the lines are so beautiful or whatever. Everybody knows what happens immediately after the end of this book. So you have to fit in a story that doesn't hurt anything, that doesn't hurt the, you know, the, the Star Wars storyline. Yeah. Yet... You have to include all these things. So it has to be a very low action book. And I don't mean action. Like, you know, they can fight and destroy a bunch of, you know, uh, TIE fighters. But you can't affect the overall storyline. So what you have is, and and this, um, I've only seen this a couple other times where someone has tried to write into a story, like into the middle of it. And, And just, I don't think Star Wars is the right place to do that. I don't think that the I, that the author. Now, I'm not saying that it couldn't happen. I just don't think that the the Disney who owns Star Wars now and whoever runs Star Wars gave Kevin Hearn the the right to create a huge story that maybe didn't affect anything, but to put a way different spin on things. Yeah, because that could be possible. You know what? What if you told a story where Luke actually goes to the dark side for a while and we just never heard of it? Yeah, you know, now, yeah. the, but I'm saying, you know, so he comes back and he realizes, you know, he finds his humanity again and realizes that man just to cover it all up. Now, that might be a great story that could take place between two Star Wars episodes. Yeah, the fucking. All right. Now that you mentioned that, though, like there was a little bit of <laughs> he, he suffered the loss of someone at one point. Yeah, but that's the whole thing. He had to. And you, you saw that coming, right? Yeah, and just yeah. the way that the dark side was presented, though, in that moment, yep. was just... Re- I didn't like it. Yeah, I, I mean, I yeah. So, hmm. all right, we're going to go We're gonna go into spoiler territory here. So if you really have a burning <laughs> desire to read this, skip forward five minutes or so. Um, Nakari Kellen, 
who joins him and you can tell is becoming a love interest and she's kind of annoying i don't like her as a character at all you know she's not at all appealing in my opinion but um Luke is totally into her because, you know, she's the first woman other than, you know, his sister to, like, look at him. <laughs> so there's even that part where they kind of discuss how he's really into Leia. And yeah. that was done in a... See, oh, that I liked because that, that was done in a really awkward <laughs> way because we know that's his sister, right? Yep. So now when you read it, it has an effect kind of along the lines of what I was saying. You could do some damage, <laughs> you know, and then repeal it all. So... um and she gets killed. And you know what? I saw that 35% of the way in the book. She's got to die. You want to know why? Because he's really into her. And we never hear another peep about her. Yeah. So really, the only, two things could happen, I guess. I take that back. She could be <laughs> like an Empire spy. Right. Or she dies. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. But when she does die and he like gets all angry and sad about it, I, I don't know. It was just like he started like immediately he felt invincible and um he wanted revenge i gotta tell you if i felt invincible and wanted revenge straight to the dark side just for me at least oh yeah dude i'm trying to get the dark side i need revenge (laughs) on anything and and so i had mixed feelings about that whole scene because you know and they allude to it a few times in the book how you know the force is about feeling things how kenobi just felt when whatever princess leia's planet was destroyed or you know he felt this this emptiness in the force or something so he feels that she's killed which at first i thought and this is a real cop-out from giving her like a true death scene it's like there's an explosion and he feels she's gone like literally that's that's how it happened and then I thought, well, this is kind of showing how he can feel the force and, and those things he talked about. So I don't know if that it was a cop out. It was just kind of poor, poor delivery. I thought, I don't know. It was just fucking lame. Like you had, I mean, he opened the door to give us an insight into something that was only mentioned in the movies. And instead of actually like exploring that and taking time to, to give his own personal take of it, he's just like, I felt invincible, wanted to kill things, and had to like do a breathing exercise or something to not go to the dark side. <laughs> Yoga fixes everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm feeling a little vengy. Gotta do that uh, yoga uh, fucking breathing. Downward dog. Down, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. All right, can we talk about the only good character in this book? You'd think, you'd think R2-D2 would be really lovable, right, in this book. Nope, blew that. Uh, that didn't happen. Was it the hack? The slicer? The slicer. I liked Drussel, Drussel, whatever. So her people are the only interesting thing in this whole goddamn book. They're huge, huge into math. And at first I thought it was really cheesy until I realized, like, what kind of math they do. Like, by way of greeting, they they, <laughs> they give people a mathematical problem to solve. And... and but even that is like, as a culture, if they think you're an idiot because you're a human and can't do math, they give you one. And the kind of secret is that the answer is always three. So you can still, like, not offend them by not being able to do math. Um, here, I'm going I'm to read this, this passage. Yes, it's customary among the give, given, 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 given to say hello with math. If you can't at least speak the language of math, a given will have a difficult time trusting you, so you have to demonstrate your ability right away. Almost anything's okay, but I advise you to keep it somewhat simple, she said, and whatever you do, don't ask them to do linear approximations of nonlinear partial differential equations because they take it as an insult, like you're mocking them. Pretty dumb, right? Yeah, it sounded pretty lame. But this chick that they rescue, 
the slicer, and, and she says that she's probably about the best at what she does, can figure out like probabilities of things. And it's used in a pretty cool way um, towards the, the end of the book. So in their you know final escape from the planet they're on, and then the whole scene we talked about where Luke loses his new lady friend, some of that stuff was actually pretty cool. So I, I like that, and I like that character. Mm, that's it. I like um, the the number three thing was, and I don't, and I doubt he did this on purpose, but it's almost like I could I could see that as as a like an allegory almost for how the rest of the world must see the United States. <laughs> no, yeah, like, like it, yeah. I had um, in in my in my day job one time um, I was working and there was a like a radiology conference or whatever in town in Chicago, so there was a lot of people from other countries uh, coming in to my work and um, one guy, what did he say? He was from Scotland I think and his last name was McKinley and I said I, I asked I, I for the purchase process you know he needed to tell me his last name and. He said McKinley, you know, like your, you know, your president, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, and then he had, he felt the need to fucking tell me like that this president, what happened with this, probably like how he died and stuff, and I was like, I knew he said it because he thought I wouldn't know. I was, but you, did, but you didn't know, right? I did not know. <laughs> <laughs> but then, just to fucking throw it back at him, I'm like, well, it could be like the mountain in Alaska. Because there's a Mount McKinley in Alaska, and he's like, oh, yeah, or that. So I had to fucking throw it back at him, but I was pissed that he was right that I didn't know the history of it. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, so that's kind of how I felt about the the three thing was like, you know, people just have to adjust to this fucking absolute stupidity of of our culture. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Luke is a dumb one, man. God, he's so... And I guess, again, I didn't find him likable in the movies. No, he's the worst character. Yeah, so I guess... I don't I know. Mean, maybe maybe was probably the worst character. But... Fucking Kevin Hearn is fucking just brilliant, and he was able to do that in this book. <laughs> he did a great job. Um, I will say that... the. Did you ever watch the TV show Numbers? Mm, I, I'm aware of it. I did not watch it on a regular basis. This Drusil made me think of that because, like, um, that's basically what numbers is. Is like you have a crime or something's going on, and this dude fucking uses math to figure out what you know mm-hmm. what's going to happen and shit. Yeah, numbers, good show. God, this fucking three percent into the book. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like um, new quotes now. Yeah, it's fucking um, this this woman asks him, um, you know, what did you do on Tatooine on his home planet? Moisture farming. Oh, spectacularly dull. Some weeks were so boring that I actually looked forward to going into Tosh Station to pick up some dot, dot, dot power converters. Huh? What? Responds the other person. I just remembered. I never did pick up my last shipment. Wonder if they're still there. Who? Like, what kind of just shitty conversation does that make? I'm like sure he's that's a reference if, to the first movie. Right, but again, my point is he, this kid is actually wondering if some power converters are still there two years later. Like, he's like, oh, I never did pick up that last shipment. Just yep, fucking yeah. terrible. And there was a lot of that in here where I just fucking hated him more and more. You want There's Okay, all right. The best scene, can I tell you the best scene in the book? It's where he's trying to use the Jedi like mind control on that guy. <laughs> 
It was pretty, it was pretty so cool. they're they go to see somebody and they're like, oh, man, we have to get in and see this person. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, you do know who we're talking about. And he's he's in his head. He's thinking about how how Ben Kenobi, um, you know, tricked the, the, the stormtroopers in Star Wars at the at the um, fucking when they were looking for a smuggler. And he like remembers like the hand gesture he did, so he's trying yeah. this, and the guy, <laughs> the guys, after like the second or third time, the guy's like, "Look, I know humans are slow sometimes, but I'm starting to think you're exceptional." Because <laughs> he keeps having to tell him, "I don't know who you're talking about." It's uh, fucking excellent stuff. That was the only good. That was the the best part of the book. You want to hear some bad parts of the book? Yeah, I'd love to. The rest of it. Um, here's a specific one uh, in the first chapter. This is when Luke gets all whiny, bitch. There's no one around to answer all my questions now that Ben's gone. It's a stark fact that reasserts itself each time. I wonder what I'm supposed to do now. That brown robe he wore might as well have been made of pure mystery. He clothed himself in it and then left nothing else behind on the Death Star. (laughs) Then... The follow-up quote, which happens in the next chapter, is, I don't think I'll ever forget the sight of Obi-Wan's empty robe, which... <laughs> Some weird <laughs> gay porn. I, t- I texted that to Libius, and I said, ooh, Star Wars is getting sexy. Oh. Nakari Kellen, um, her reason for, for siding with the Rebels is that her mother was killed. Or taken away to whatever mining camps that... <laughs> yeah, um, the salt mines or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that nobody ever gets out of alive. Because she was in a band that wrote a song <laughs> that was offensive to Darth Vader. It was a, a parody song called Vader's Many Prosthetic Parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I- I mean, I guess we only get to see the the struggles of the rebels when we watch the Star Wars movies. But did that universe strike you as like there's a hit song that's like, like, <laughs> like there like music even matters? Well, I mean, we hear music in it, but that there's like a hit song about you know Darth Vader's you know robotic limbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty fucking ridiculous too. I mean, if all, anyway, I'm not gonna go on. That, I'm not going down that road. Um, here is some really horrible description of a, of a spaceship. Um, and this is basically just kind of, if you're going to do multiple descriptions and like similes within the same, you know, kind of explanation of what a ship looks like, you might want to just be careful about how they sound when they're put together. Painted a metallic red and trimmed in silver, the cockpit and living quarters of the ship sat forward and the wings swept back in an unbroken arc. Like a half moon thinking about going crescent. The rear end looked a bit like someone had taken a bite out of a cookie. And it was packed with big sublight engines, jammer sensor rays, and shield generators. Moons and cookies? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I do like... So, I guess... I like this guy's writing in parts, and it seems like when he kind of strayed away from the Star Wars universe that it was when it was at its best. Like, um, he talks about uh, about Luke you know, destroying the Death Star, and it says, Still riding high after sinking proton torpedoes down an exhaust port that must be history's greatest design flaw, which is That's pretty good. brilliant. You have this yeah. giant Death Star, and there's this one hole that if you put just a really, really small missile down, it just blows the whole thing up. That's good. 
here here's some insight from Luke Skywalker, the fucking dopiest character ever. War was expensive and not just in lives lost. Motherfucking. Uh, I think this was um, Nakari mm-hmm. that said this. Sometimes I think the galaxy might be entirely populated by people with daddy issues. She says to the son of fucking Darth Vader. Yeah, I know. I had that too. <laughs> and my notes, I put a note on that one. I highlighted it and then I said a note that says, she says to the son of Darth Vader. You know, I um, that kind of brings up a little a little other issue I had. And there are probably, and I have a couple of them marked. I don't know if I'm going to bother going into them. But there are probably ten instances in the book where it seemed like we used very today- um, human sayings like daddy issues. Yeah. There's one part, I don't remember what it was, but someone says like fair to Midland, which, you know, is probably something no one said since the 1960s. And I doubt made it into outer space or the future or wherever <laughs> any of this action is taking place. But there are a few parts where we used, I don't know what you want to call it, modern day slang yeah. or sayings or something that just really kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. Like a sore thumb. They probably said that in there somewhere. Like when uh, someone, like when Luke said, Oh, I'm sorry. I totally understand how that would spur you to do something. Yes. Yeah. But isn't it, and this is something I never fucking understood. In that little scroll in the beginning of the movie, doesn't it say a long time ago? Yeah. Well, yeah, it does. I don't necessarily know that that's, I mean, is it assuming that we are from the future of those stories? Like, like they're telling the history of the stories that happened, even though it's actually taking part in, in the future from where we are. I guess sense? I don't. I guess I don't know. I, I always saw that and thought that the story is being told somewhere else. I mean, I know we're seeing the movie, yeah, you know, but that this is like a universal story that's being told way in the future. Because I got to tell you, if that was in the past, we have taken some significant steps, steps back, back in our technological yeah. <laughs> advancements. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here's uh, here's Drussel. This part actually kind of made me made me laugh a little bit out loud. Even um, they're they're going into their final you know showdown with the with the um, bounty hunters, and Luke and 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 Nakari are having that weird moment where they don't know what to say to one another. <laughs> and this is Drussel. What is happening? Drussel asked. I am unfamiliar with this kind of human behavior. Have you lost the power of speech? <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's good stuff there. Just completely confused by these two morons. I've got um, two more. This one is one of the times that uh, Luke successfully moved a noodle with his mind. Uh, Nakari witnessed it, and she was explaining what it looked like. It was a smooth undulation, like a snake taking a tour of the neighborhood. What? Anyway, so... <sighs> And then I got more to this quote. But what the fuck? All right. Uh, despite my disbelief in my own success, I sensed that she was telling the truth. It was an absolute certainty in my mind, as if the force had run a fact check for me. I wanted to fucking, like, I, w- I wanted to find this author and just punch him to the ground. Wow. What the fuck? Like a snake taking a tour? Did. <coughs> Remember, their neighborhoods are not our neighborhoods. 
Maybe that's how that's how noodles move in the. I don't know. Uh, I just have one more quote. Do you have any more quotes? No, I'm done. I, I closed this guy. I do, but I closed it. I'm done. This is Luke um, remembering some advice that he got from Han Solo at one point, which I think is a, as good of a way as any to close out the quotes for this book. Just blast everything and fly a fast ship and bring a Wookiee. Works for me. Yuck, yuck. I like Han Solo. Han Solo is cool. Man, why aren't we reading about Han Solo? Your stupid fucking dumb Luke Skywalker. Oof. All right. Um, let's, let's go into some wrap-ups. <laughs> go for it. Uh, so, I didn't like this book. <laughs> and and, and there, there are various reasons. I, I'm not... I guess I'm not really sure who this book is written for. It's obviously written for Star Wars fans, but I don't know if this is supposed to be young adult and that explains away some of the the, the lackluster writing. Um, if it explains some of the trying to use, you know, modern day sayings that, that, that kids might know. Um, I do feel a little bad for Kevin Hearn. I mean, first of all, he was able to write a Star Wars book and, and get his name onto the... Now, he is now a New York Times bestseller without having to pen something James Patterson told him to do, so God bless him for that. Um, but it's also... You know, I feel bad for him because it's got to be hard. Like I said, you you have to write a story. You're probably given very, very specific guidelines, maybe even down to, hey, it's going to be about... you know. Um, Luke having to rescue a hacker from this planet, introduce a love interest, kill her at the end, uh, done. You know, and obviously have no effect on the Star Wars universe because y- you can't. So it's hard to write a really interesting story that way. Um, like I said, what I maybe would have liked to have seen is, and, and I know saying you know, having Luke kill people and go to the dark side is probably a little drastic for the Star Wars universe. <laughs> um, but you know, maybe maybe something else could have been done that explain some things or that put a different twist on. I do know that one of the star Wars books, I did not read this, but it's, um, there are stormtrooper zombies on an Imperial, like star destroyer or whatever, you know, probably has no effect on the actual universe, but you know, it might be a really cool story to read. This was not that story. I have read God, man, back when the star Wars movies were still, you know, whatever active <laughs> I mean, back when the first three were around, there were a couple of books that were released about Han Solo. And I read those when I was, probably a teenager and adolescent i don't know so i did read those and i did read the very first officially sanctioned star wars continuation book probably 20 ish years ago um and, and that was okay but it wasn't enough for me to to keep going i do know and we're going to talk about this a little later that, that we are going to see some books that are going to have a, a profound effect on the star wars universe leading up to the new movies um but again, this one was kind of sandwiched in between two movies, told us nothing, had one interesting character, as far as I'm concerned, and that we'll probably never see again. Um, and overall, I'm just going to, it's like two stars. You went two stars, all right. I'm not going to linger too much on the, um, the, the wrap-up because you pretty much heard most of what I don't like about the book. Um, I think the biggest disappointment was that um, where where obviously what happened was that the author was limited by the opportunity to um, do a Star Wars story that kind of exists in this space. Um, Other authors may have kind of flourished in that challenge um, and worked in a story that was, you know, remarkable, but at the same time not damaging of the overall storyline. I can't. I tried to think of an example off the top of my head. Couldn't really think of anything of, of something similar, but like 
I mean, I have to imagine that it's something that happens all the time in comic books where, um, you know, a, a, a style of, of comic book writer, like I'm thinking probably, you know, the names that come to mind of people that just don't read comic books at all. So I'm not an expert or even like generally aware of comics, but like I've heard big names like Frank Miller and Alan Moore and stuff like that. And I have to imagine that in a situation where you're given a specific time period, those people would jump in and they would do something fucking remarkable. Um, Hearn did not do something fucking remarkable. <laughs> Um, with uh, a character in a world that is just so rich and developed and beloved. And and the problem is, because he didn't really do anything remarkable, um, he also has the hardcore fans to contend with. And uh, we're probably not going to do Amazon reviews for this, but um, I poked around a little bit on the Amazon reviews and uh, the primary... <laughs> Primarily the one and two star ones are from people who are huge fans of the books and um, were just really disappointed in, in this. And actually one of the disappointments was being first person from the perspective of Luke Skywalker, um, which I think was kind of a mistake. Um, because if you ask me in my limited knowledge of Star Wars, but I have seen all the movies and everything, um, he's fucking not an interesting character and he never was. I don't know. I just think that... In the right hands, this story could have gone into a very interesting uh, direction. He's just discovering the Force. He could have missteps. Uh, he could... And, and the, the thing that Livia said about killing people and going to the dark side, there is so many fucking deaths in this book um, that are just like, you know, oh, whatever. They were the Empire. They died. Um, that, that That's even something that could be explored is like, they're okay with just killing, you know, he killed the Death Star. Like, he, he blew up the Death Star. There's thousands of people that probably died during that. And, and he's a hero, you know, because it's war and everything. But they could have explored so many different things, and uh, it just didn't happen. Um, instead, we got these weird aliens that jump on your head and eat into your skull and eat your brains out, which we never <laughs> mentioned, but that was fucking a pointless um, diversion. Uh, and I don't know, just kind of an entirely forgettable story so much so that I actually literally forgot the beginning of the book. Um, all in all, I, I just didn't want to read the book to begin with, but the wheel of meat forced it on me and it ended up not being that great. So I'm going to go one star. Yeah. <clears throat> the wheel of meat has not been kind. The wheel of meat is like a punch to the face. Well, and we got, so far we've pulled two sequels. I mean, this being a sequel to a movie and the Lestat book. And we got, like, the weird ones. Like, we didn't get the ones people are talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's ones on there that are on a bunch of, like, best of 2015 lists already and stuff. And, like, you know, that's not that's not what we're getting. Yeah, it's true. Oh. we talk about one more part of that book. Yeah. Luke is so devastated by the death of Nakari that he's... Uh, he's moving noodles in her in her memory like three four hours later it seems like and he starts like kind of laughing about something like he's not even concerned about her death beyond those initial few minutes of, of... <laughs> yeah <sighs> yeah all right speaking of star wars books yeah. i understand that in september uh chuck wendig so score for chuck wendig 
he got to write what is going to be, I hope, I think, a very important Star Wars novel. Fuck, yeah. Yeah, Aftermath is going to be, I I guess, I I think I read there's three books that are going to be leading up to the movie that will introduce the backgrounds of some of the new characters. So, again... You're introducing some characters. I'm sure you'll be able to see that movie without reading these books, and there will be enough of an explanation. But at least that gives us something new and continues something and doesn't give us a, a placeholder in between you know, two films that really isn't important, like this Heir to the Jedi. Yeah. Um, I was on the publisher's website, and it's something like 20 books that they're going to be introducing. Well, there you go. It's a lot 20. of books. Yeah. Yeah, 20. Um, you know, so at least he's going to get to do some some cool stuff and, you know, and, and create and help mold the, the backstory for some of the new characters. Rob, are we going to be reviewing that? Um, yes. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> I was expecting at least a little like, yeah, we'll see. So, uh, you know, why not? It's Chuck. We have faith. And maybe this will redeem our, our, our uh, expectations of Star Wars and literature. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I th- I'm hoping that Wendig brings it. Um, but the thing that I've noticed about the the dude that the the, uh, the guy that wrote this book and 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 when I was reading about Wendig doing the book, they always talk about how like, you know, they knew about Star Wars since they were kids and they were always enchanted by it. And it's like, a who fucking wasn't, and b. What would happen if they took someone who wasn't familiar or in love with, you know, the Star Wars world and, like, had them write a book? You know, like an outsider perspective. Maybe it would be better. Yeah, you know, that's possible. I mean, a lot of research, though. I mean, I know it's only six movies, but... Yeah. I don't know. You know, I mean, it seems like there's a lot to kind of grasp about what's going on to tie in little little things into the storyline. I don't know. All I know is that... um, you sent me some links to some other Star Wars stuff, and I did not get a chance to watch them. But while you were doing your wrap-up, I did watch the video of the kid cutting bottles with knives. That shit was way Jedi, right? Yeah, that's yeah, a little... <laughs> so this is the part the where he's got the five, the five gallon water thing, Yeah, and he's got the knife, and he's just jamming the knife into it. <laughs> he's like, like he's shivving someone in prison? Yeah, that's awesome. That shit was awesome. I'm sure that at least some of our listeners have seen. It's just this uh, heavyset guy who just takes bottles of water and fucking like katanas and swords and knives and shit and fucking just goes at him with this like kind of epic music playing in the background and a little counter of how many bottles die. (laughs) That's really good. Um, The other stuff that I sent Livius in hopes that he would prepare for this was kind of like my knowledge of the Star Wars world which was there's a there's a, a series on YouTube called Chad Vader um, did you at least do you know what it is Livius or should I explain it um, you you could explain it for listeners I, I do I do have a good grasp of what it is so Chad Vader I ran into this you know just randomly on the internet uh, as you do is uh, the story of a guy who's like the brother of Darth Vader and he is a uh, shift manager at a grocery store and so he goes he has basically the mindset of of Darth Vader um, but he works in a grocery store and he's a little bit more bumbling and um, 
kind of more of a loser. Um, so if and and it's just his day to day work uh, work issues and stuff like that, and love interest issues. Um, it's pretty funny. There you go. I had some um, phone issues, and I wound up resetting my phone and kind of lost all my messages, which was fine, except for the Chad Vader one, which I couldn't remember what the hell it was when I was trying to think of it this morning. So, <laughs> um, All right. Sort of related, because there's a lot of mention of Star Wars in the in this other series we're going to talk about. Um, Kevin Smith, it looks like he's returning to Mallrats. Mallrats 2 and, and Shannon Doherty may, may be down for doing a, a second Mallrats. Far more excited about this than I am about any Star Wars movie. Yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, I had heard rumors that I know he's doing a third Clerks movie. Um, but I didn't know about Mallrats 2. Now, thinking about that, Two of the main actors probably aren't going to be down for this. Like one, Jason Lee, um, kind of hit it big with that Earl fucking TV show that nobody likes. Um, and then Ben Affleck is out doing like you know Oscar-winning movies and stuff like that. So they were kind of like the two main dudes in that, right? Yeah, but Jason Lee, I think that Earl shit's been done for a while, right? Oh, so you think he's? Uh, <laughs> I think he's got nothing going on. His dance card is is pretty empty right now. Yeah, and from what I understand, I don't know if this is still true, but I do know that some time ago, I mean, Ben Affleck was legit very, very close friends with, with Kevin Smith. So I don't know that that wouldn't kind of supersede. And like you said, he's doing his big ass. So now he's got the money. He doesn't have to worry about, you know, like hurting his career. Yeah, that's true. So, um, five of 12 is what uh, Kevin Smith's Facebook says about uh, the, the roll call. So apparently there's 12 people he was trying to get, and he's gotten five of them. <laughs> Which I imagine is him and um, Jason and, uh, Mewes. Yeah, and Shannon Doherty. Uh, the guy that plays Dante, probably the other two chicks. Uh... Yeah, he wasn't in. Oh, no, yeah, he wasn't. I'm sorry, he wasn't Mallrats. He was uh, in the dating game at the end. The yeah. guy plays Dante. Yeah. So, well, Gil there you Hicks. go. So, yeah. <laughs> Listen, either way, this could be this could be awesome. So, totally oh. not book related but if there was a mall rats book we'd totally read it and probably love it probably love it yeah fucking michael rooker he was in it yep. claire forlani was in it um mm-hmm. joey lauren adams i just want to know what would happen in that mall like would they just realize that nobody cares about the mall anymore when you're like in your 40s well, but I think it would be one of those things. You, you, here's here's how that would break out. You'd still have a couple people who work at the mall. You'd have one of the women whose you know kids are constantly at the mall. You know, I mean, there would be some type of yeah. yeah I don't know. All right. So, yeah, uh, interested to see. I will watch it. Um, but if it's bad, um, probably gonna back off Kevin Smith a little bit. Listen, I saw that fucking walrus movie. What the hell is it called? Tusk. Oh my god, what a terrible piece of shit that, that was. That was kind of bad. It was really bad. I liked Red State. That was pretty bad, too. Yeah, really? Bad. See, I, I thought it was alright. I liked it. I mean, completely different, obviously, than, than the Kevin Smith stuff we're used to, but I didn't mind that one. Yeah. All this all this talk is because we, we don't know what we're reading next again. We, we've been really terrible. We've got a ton of stuff. Just scheduling like episodes has been a little... Hey, the a problem is we have like a great lineup of books that we're reading, 
in May and June and July and August and September. We don't have uh, March and April uh, material. We've got stuff down the road. So Wheel of Meat was our way of saying, hey, we have enough time to throw in a Wheel of Meat. <laughs> the Wheel of Meat was a way to motivate us to actually pick our next book, and uh, it didn't work. Yeah, it did not work. So we will have a next uh, book review. We, we won't know what it is uh, before we stop recording this. Hopefully, though, you'll have a new crime wave to listen to um, in between now and then. An excellent, a, a, a production quality that I'm still envious of. And we <laughs> recorded that, what, like two weeks ago? Um, yeah, that's, uh, it just needs to finish being edited and being put up. So I would imagine, if not by the, the time the next episode gets up, not too long after that will be Richard Katz and his story on Crime Wave. Every time I turn on this microphone, I think, how much better does that guy sound than us? I don't know. See, you know, if we don't talk about those things, people don't notice it. That's what I've always uh, gone by. Uh, all right. All right. Two is weeks. Like, I a- want to a- point w- out my flaws. AWP, two weeks. AWP. That's the other thing. Um, we'll be... <laughs> we will be uh, traveling during the time that we usually record episodes, so that's a little bit up in the air too, right? Um, Negative, sir. We will be back in time for Sunday night recording. Oh, you're right. All right, never mind. Disregard. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that content is going to look like because yeah. that definitely is going to cut into like our reading time. That's and uh, at one point, I was actually planning on reading on our way there, and then I remembered that I'd be driving, and yeah. that that might be detrimental. To- <laughs> I'm gonna I think it's trip means read I read a book. The wheel. <laughs> yeah. Trip means book. That's that's how I how I you know. So you got a plane and you read a book. So, but we're not flying. We're driving. We're taking the 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 the, the Kia Airways. Air Kia. Air Kia, to Minnesota, which is going to be a ton of fun. Um, but that's yeah. So hopefully we'll be able to bring you some good content from there. For real this time. For real this time. For reals. <laughs> so. Um, We'll see. We'll see. It's uh, it's it's it's. We've got some stuff planned that that sounds like fun, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, no more dodgeball though. So we're gonna be uh, drowning our sorrows probably in a hotel room with lots of uh, booze. Yeah, yeah. We will be one hundred percent less bruised <laughs> than we were planning on being. Less bruises, more boozes. That's right. So uh, I know Rob was pa- practicing some Matrix style moves for dodgeball. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but there uh, is no dodgeball. There is no dodgeball. So all that work you put into it, buddy, it all went to waste. No, that's that was my 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 biggest because uh, you know there is no spoon. I said there is no dodgeball, but like now there actually is no dodgeball. So I was right. There's no dodgeball. You made it happen. I did. Yeah, with my fucking. I am the one. And now you're prepared for any gunfights we might get <laughs> that's into. Right. That's right. I totally did not take it seriously enough to prepare, so... we get confronted by a security guard, like at the book fair, I'm just going to jump into his chest and burst out of him from the inside. Very nice. I like that. I can't wait to see that. So, (laughs) all right. Until next time, I'm Livia Stedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading.